Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We are in a series called Life Together. It is the vision of our church. And I don't know if many of you know, but there's this, uh, there's this word. It's, it's this word, and it's called familect. Any of you ever heard the word familect? It, it, the word familect is, it's like taking family and dialect and bringing it together. So I say all this is that the closer you get to a person, the closer you get to a family, all of a sudden, the more time you spend together with them, all of a sudden you, you begin to realize and you go, oh, they sound similar. And they look similar. They have similar mannerisms. The amount of emails I got last week where some of you are like, dude, you and Tommy, you guys spend a lot of time together. Um, and thank you for just hearing him. I got so much good feedback from him. He loved being with you all. I, I, I took him a little bit to task about going after a carpet, but it's cool. Uh, but there's a sense of, of family act is that when you actually are in a culture and you start speaking the same language, you start knowing the vision of a church or, or, or a community, and all of a sudden you, you start seeing the world through a certain way, kingdom eyes, there's the family act that actually grows. And what I really want you to understand is that this place, and I'm going to keep stressing it again and again and again, is I want you to understand these directions. And these directions, that we go backwards, we go forwards, we go upwards, we go inwards, and we go outwards. And, and recently, somebody came to me and they said, Steve... I feel like I'm walking through the book of Acts. I pick up my Bible. I try to read the chapter. I just don't get it. It's frustrating to me. It's frustrating to me because I want to know the word of God. I want to know the God's heartbeat for humanity. I, I want to connect. I just can't seem to do it. I can't seem to find anything out of it. And so I just find myself losing confidence in studying the scriptures. And I just show up on Sundays. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in that season, but, but I, I felt the earnestness of this person that I deeply respect. This is a really, really smart person. But somehow this book can almost just become this thing that was hard. And so for the last couple of months, I've been, I've been trying to figure out how do I make studying the scriptures fun? How do I make studying the scriptures so practical and personal and applicable? And I started to realize something. The directions do that. All of a sudden, I started just the last like few months just practicing the directions as I read through the text, and something came wildly alive to me. So to do this, I'm going to show you, and we're going to walk through the directions by walking through Acts chapter 16. We'll end with a practice that hopefully all of this will come together. We'll start with backwards. Backwards is this. We know where we came from. And this is about context. Every time that you go to a passage of scripture, there's a reason for how we got here. And some of you are like, well, I don't ever know where to start. You can sometimes find, go backwards in context through a commentary. You can go to preceptaustin.com, type in Acts chapter 16. They'll give you a sense of the commentary or the backstory. But let's talk a little bit about the backstory here. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is starting his second missionary journey. The first one was him and Barnabas 
and John Mark, not John Mark Comer, but John Mark. And, and John Mark and Barnabas got into uh, this connection, but, but John Mark ended up leaving, and, and Barnabas really wanted to take John Mark on this trip. And, and Paul was like, nah, John Mark bounced. I don't want him. And so Barnabas and John Mark end up going on kind of a, a recycling of Paul's first ministry tour, going and visiting all of the churches that they had started. And this forces Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke to go to a bunch of new places. So that's where we are right now. Paul and Silas are Jews. Luke, we believe, most scholars believe, is a Gentile and so is Timothy. So we begin Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says this, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So the question is, who is the we? This is one of the, the, the rare times that Luke actually writes himself into a story. He's, again, remember, one man, Luke, wrote Luke and Acts for one man, Theophilus. And so the, this we, again, is Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. And they're entering into a new space, a new area. And all of a sudden, they meet a woman who is a slave, but she's making money for her owners by predicting the future. But look what she says in verse 17. It says this. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. I have this same desire when I'm on Facebook. I just want to be like, In the name of Jesus Christ... I command you to stop posting. I mean, this is, yeah, this is, this is like a, this moment where, where Paul is like, and Silas and Timothy and Luke, and, and, and again, the second is the whole second value direction is going forward because we go together. And they're going together. It's not one of them just entering into the situation. They go together, and all of a sudden they meet this woman who's, who's really possessed. She can see the future, and she's like, She's like their hype man. And she's like, these people, these guys. And Paul's so sick and tired of it that he basically tells her, stop it. Knock it off. I don't need you. In the name of Jesus. And he just, he just puts her in her place. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Verse 19, because the spirit leaves this woman. So now she can't predict the future and she can't make money for her owners, verse 19. When her owners realized that her hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They seized Paul and Silas because they're Jewish. Luke and Timothy are not, so they can't. And dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept 
or practice. 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, you have this moment where you have Paul and Silas are telling this woman, knock it off. The powers end up kind of evading from this woman. The people realize we can't make money off this woman. So they drag them. They tell them that they're throwing the whole city up in uproar. They put a jailer in front of, this, of these two and they put them in prison. Now a jailer's job is to protect these two before they go to trial. And if these two somehow get free, whatever their sentence would be would fall onto the jailer. There would be great shame that would fall on the jailer and the family. They would often think it was an inside job. Something might happen, beating, fines, deaths. It was just a tragic situation. And Paul and Silas are just there. And something begins to happen. You begin to recognize in this moment that Paul and Silas have a choice. In the face of adversity, they're tied up. And what do they start to do? They start to sing. Look what it says in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And I love this next line. And other prisoners were listening to them. And it just hits me. They're in prison and they are singing. They're in prison and they are praying. They are in such adverse situation and this is their response. And while they're doing this, all these other prisoners are listening and watching them. And here's the truth. I think some of us, we allow our circumstances to dictate how we think God feels about us. Oh, man, I'm in this situation. It didn't go the way that I wanted. Maybe God must be mad at me. What did I do wrong? All of this stuff. And it's almost like Paul and Silas are like, it doesn't matter what our circumstances. You put us in this spot for a reason, and what we are going to do in this moment, because this is the only moment that we have control over, we are going to lift up a praise, and we are going to lift up a prayer. Can I be really, really honest and ask you, when your back is up against a wall, what's your first response? Is it prayer? Is it praise? Or is it kind of like the mumbling and complaining? Is it kind of like checking out? Is it the escaping? And really when we think about in this passage, you see when it even doesn't go the way that Paul or Silas thought it would go, they still choose to go upwards and pursue God's presence. What about you? How do you pursue God's presence when it doesn't go your way? How do you pursue presence when, when you have a fight with your spouse? How do you pursue God's presence when, when your person that maybe works closely with you in the marketplace lets you down? How do you pursue God's presence when your kids just do something you wish they didn't do? How do you pursue God's presence when it doesn't go your way? Is it prayer? Because it's easy to pray here. 
But what about on Tuesday morning? And it's easy to sing here. And sometimes I wish like Andy just could be like follow me through the week and just start singing. Because I can sing with Andy all day. But Andy doesn't do that. Maybe she does that for Leonard. And uh, that's why he's holy. But like, what's your, what's your response? Is it to sing? Is it to sing you are good when it's not going your way? And I think for us, if we're going to be the kind of people that actually pursue his presence, we got to pursue it when it doesn't make sense. If we look to verse 27, or verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was a violent, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, again, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced an earthquake. Any of you ever experienced an earthquake? Yes, some, some West Coast people. Um, and, and earthquakes, man, I, I remember it was Dr. Martin Luther King Day one morning, I think in the, the late 80s, early 90s. And, and it, we just, it was the Northridge earthquake, and the thing started to shake. All my trophies fell. Um, the hutch on my desk fell right under my bed. I mean, it was wild. And when you've ever been in like a violent earthquake, it just starts shaking, and it's, it's, it can be profoundly scary for a second. And I can't even imagine what this jailer's feeling, but if you think an earthquake's happened, the, the damage that must have been done, and this jailer's going, of course if there's an earthquake, everyone's bailed. And so what does he do? He grabs his sword, and he's about to die by suicide. And Paul says something that I think is one of the most profound lines in Scripture. He says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And if any of you have ever experienced the thought, the feeling, the sense that I've gotten to the end, may you hear this verse. Please, don't harm yourself. We, the church, are all here. And this, if you've ever experienced losing a person like I have, a friend, actually multiples. And I sit there and I go, man, I wish I just would have known. And for us, if we're going to be the church, and you hear Bria talk about it often, we're going to be a church that cares for one another, does life together. I think this has to be a verse that, man, if at any, any moment you feel less than, you got to know and you got to believe we're here. I think this verse forces me to actually think about the next direction, which is inwards, which is we do our work. It's amazing is that when we, we think about going inwards, it, it, it forces us to actually deal with the stuff that's actually happening in our internal worlds and in our internal mind, in our heart. And for some of us, man, we, we just have these lingering wounds and pains and struggles and lies from the pit of hell. 
And we almost try to just manage them and just try to push them away, but they, they don't ever go away until you actually face them. And oftentimes you can't face them by yourselves. You need to face them with brothers and sisters who care for you and who are willing to walk with you. It continues on, and it says in verse 29, the jailer called for lights. He rushed and fell trembling before Paul and said, Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in this house. At that moment of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And I just love in this moment, it's like, this guy is about, really, about ready to die. Paul stops him, and then he just goes, well, then what must I do to be saved? Paul tells him. Silas tells him. And then what's his first response? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to bandage your wounds, and we're going to gather around a table, and we're going to eat, and then we're going to get baptized. And it's like the first act that this guy makes after receiving Christ is to serve and to go outwards, which is to serve each other. And, and again, if you just go through chapter 16, you see backwards, you see forwards, you see upwards, you see inwards, you see outwards. You give me any chapter of Psalms, you will see backwards, you will see forwards, you will see upwards, you will see inwards, you will see outwards. You give me any epistle, most chapters, you will find an opportunity to go backwards, to go forwards, to go upwards, to go inwards, to go outwards. So here's the practice. The simple practice is this. When studying the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what direction to take you. That's all you have to do. Like, if you think about this, if you, if you just read this week Acts 16, you read that chapter, and then all of a sudden you start to think, all right, let me look, let me look, let me look, let me see, let me see. Where, where is there something about doing life together? Oh, yeah, Paul went with Silas. Oh, yeah, Paul had Timothy and Luke. Oh, all right, who do I have? Oh, what about upwards? Hmm, how are they pursuing God's presence? Oh, wow, even when it doesn't make sense, they are pursuing God's presence. What does that mean for my life? Do I give praise and prayer when it doesn't make sense? Actually, no, I complain. All right, God, what do you want to do with that? Or maybe the inwards journey. And the inward journey is, man, you're having these thoughts and you're holding on to it. And one of the, the lies of the enemy is that you're having these thoughts and you believe that nobody will understand Nobody will get you or nobody will care and nobody will walk with you. And I'm just here to tell you that's not true. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And then the piece of maybe the, the question is, well, outward. What's the next best right step for us? Maybe it's serving someone. God maybe brings to mind Maybe for some of you, you saw in that passage, maybe the next best right step of going outward is actually getting baptized. 
Maybe some of you in this room have never been baptized. And maybe, maybe today is that day to say, you know what? That's the next best right step. Maybe for some of you, it's like, you know what? Gosh, I haven't had people over at my house. And this jailer right away gets saved and goes, hey, come over to my house. Let me cook you up some food. Maybe that's the next right, best right step. But what I've come to realize is I can read this and go, Lord, what does this text mean for my relationships going forward? What does this text mean for my pursuit of your presence? What does this text mean for me going inward? And what does this text mean for me going outward? And you know what? Every time I've done that, the Holy Spirit showed me something. Most times it's inward. Every time he showed me something. You gotta call someone and share this. He's showing me something. Man, I think you gotta work on this. I think sometimes we listen and maybe like when Bria got up here and she's like, and the Lord said, yield to me. Some of us are like, I, I, I've not had that happen. It doesn't just happen. It's, it's the posture that she's had for years and years and years to say, Lord, I wanna hear your voice. And the more that we read the text like that, the more you're gonna to begin to hear the shepherd's voice. Not shame's voice. Not sin's voice. Not the lie from the pit of hell's voice. You are gonna hear the voice of grace and peace and love and truth. So the practice that I would love for all of us to do this week is to bring the directions into your study of the text. And if, if you have questions, you can always email me, steve.carter at fourcitychurch.com. Or if you have questions, as you start to read it, I go, man, I, I, don't, I don't get this. Or this, this part, man, I'm wrestling with that. You know what you gotta do? You gotta chop with people that are reading the same passage. Have you read this? What do you think this means? Have you seen this? What do you think this means? And the more that you begin to do that, the more that we actually get to come together. And the more that we come together, the more that we do life together. And the more that we do life together, the more that we get to represent Christ together. And the more that we represent Christ together, the more people get to see what God is doing in us and through us and with us and for us. Does this make sense? And I, I'm hoping, because I think too often, We've either not read this book or we've misinterpreted this book. And neither one is really helpful. But when you get a whole bunch of people who are surrendered to say, Lord, teach me. And you're gonna teach me so I can go forward. You're gonna teach me so I can go upward. You're gonna teach me so I can go inward. And you're gonna teach me so I can go outward. What you're gonna be is dependent and expectant on the spirit to show you not a person on this stage, but the Holy Spirit to whisper and to teach and to convict and to coach and to train and to rebuke. And in that, you will be shaped and formed to be everything you were intended to be. Amen? Amen. Hey, can we stand for closing benediction? If any of you are new and wanna, wanna get connected, our friends will be right here at the Connect Point. 
I know it's going to feel like salmon going upstream to come down here, but we would love to meet you. If any of you want to get baptized, I'm telling you, such a powerful experience. Uh, if you've never been to a baptism service, we've only ever done one here. Uh, but Stephen Timlink and the team, man, we go down to the church basement. All we need is an overhead projector. Um, but we, we, we got a baptismal. We, we get in a circle and we just, we get to celebrate. It's an amazing, amazing experience to celebrate in your life. But would you put your hands out? I'd love to give you a blessing, my brothers and sisters. sorry. This week, I have not been able to shake that there might be someone in this space who has just been weighed down with those thoughts. And if you need my cell phone number, call me. If you, if you, if you have those thoughts, please don't harm yourself. We're all here. So my brothers and sisters of Forest City Church, may you know that this book is alive and that God wants to speak to you through it. May this week as you begin to read, may you go forward because you have your people like Paul had his. May you pursue his presence, whether you're going through circumstances that don't make sense, may you still say you are good with prayer and praise. And may you be willing to open your one and only life up to the Lord because we do our work. He wants to heal you from the inside out. And as we go outward into Elgin, into the marketplace, into the schools, into the Northwest suburbs, may we be the kind of people who carry his name and represent his presence well. Much love. We'll see you next weekend. Grace and peace.